Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Property World. I'm Will Mallard and today I'm joined once again by Dorian Payne. Dorian, you're very welcome. Will, thanks again for having me back on. I really, really appreciate it. Now, we're going to be talking about the full development process. So, so property development, uh, people often operate in little aspects or phases within it, but most people don't have an in-depth understanding uh, across the cycle. Now, uh, we've had you on the, the show previously talking about your experiences. You've got a fascinating uh, business model, which is uh, ultra-focused South Wales uh, and, and within the RSL market where you're, uh, you buy the land and you've forward sold it and you build it out, um, which... Uh, is scaling into the hundreds uh, as we speak. And uh, you've partnered with some quite serious uh, organisations that, that have all sorts of levels of uh, compliance and uh, due diligence done before you could even get in the door. Um, so, so well done on, on your successes within your business. Uh, the full development process. Um, before we get into it, do, do you want to talk about uh, where, where this fits uh, within your thinking about business, and um, and and uh, and then we can get into the full development process as a as a theme. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, so, uh, like I said, well, uh, th thanks again for having me back on. Really do appreciate it, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to to share share this with you. It's something I, I talk about quite a bit, but really it being honest with you and your listeners this is actually what we run cast south group too so if you you take cast south group when you take away the logo and you take away the name it pretty much ends up with this process so um uh, and you know I've, I've got no problem sharing it really because property development for me is um, you know i genuinely love what i do i'm very lucky in that i genuinely love what i do i love the how the business is scaling the opportunity in front of me um even the problems and uh you know because it's just great. But as, as you know, well, I have people asking me as well, what is, how do I get involved in property development? Or people have got involved in property development in a, in a sort of a rising market, uh, but they don't really know the next step or, or, or potentially uh, a good system to follow through to. So really, in a nutshell, there's, when I talk about the property development cycle, I talk about it in two phases. One, I talk about the business um, 
sort of pillars that you need uh, in any business, I believe. And as you know, property development is a standalone business mm-hmm. in its own right. It's a highly capital intensive, inherently risky, multi-million pound business, more than likely. So having the business pillars in place or knowing about them is just a core fundamental skill that you build over time as the business grows. So I talk about that. And then I go through the property development cycle, exactly what we do in our company and that what I just genuinely believe that most developers, nearly every developer should be following similar as well. There'll there'll be internal intricacies, differences, but, um, you know, that's so, so I'm really excited to, to, to start, kick this off with you. It's fantastic. And I'd encourage anyone uh, listening today to, to look out the window uh, and, and see what buildings are around you. All of them have gone through a full development process. If there's a yeah. finished building, um, at some point there, there wasn't uh, even a thought in someone's head. It was just a piece of bare land and and someone came up with a, uh, with an idea and, and maybe there were several ideas and, um, and maybe there were several businesses uh, in place uh, and certainly there, there's generally more than one business involved in creating that building. Um, now, uh, the, the business of development uh, is enormous. Uh, and I, I, I take my hat off to people like you, Dorian, like the, uh, the, the ability to see into the future uh, and, and create something that's not there and, and to put together all of the bits that are involved it's very impressive. Like I'm, I'm very much at the other end uh, of the, uh, I suppose the the, the property uh, cycle. Like we're here, you've got a finished product. Uh, maybe you're refurbishing it. Maybe you're adding a bit of value. But digging holes in the ground and waiting for councils and you know structuring uh, option contracts. Uh, there's a lot to it. And um, like you know, I'm delighted that you're, you've opened up. Um, I've seen you present on this topic uh, at a social housing conference, and um, you know, just talking about this piece, I think will be really valuable for anyone listening. So, um, if, if you want to, uh, maybe, maybe uh, w- once again, like, like, what would be your your key pillars as far as your own business, and how do you look at business? And then where does the development process fit uh, within that? Definitely, yeah. Uh, just before I get on to that, then, uh, just following on from your comment, for any of those there that uh, enjoy a bit of uh, research, uh, definitely uh, just building on from what Will said, go on to Google and go on to old maps, find old maps, uh, some for free, and have a look at your area and just have a look what it was like 100 years ago. It's just crazy, uh, literally. You know, there's some of the maps go back to the 1800s and seeing, you know, when you can fast, when you can see it, all the transition, it's, it's just it's just amazing. But that's, that's what development is for you. So yeah, look, like I said, the, um, the, the sort of four key, four key pillars of business, really, that, that we operate to uh, over the years as well, that kind of come to, to, to know, like, and trust, uh, uh, that if one of them is failing, the whole business starts failing, basically. Everything starts with a core plan, the business strategy. People who've heard me talk, they'll hear me talk about strategy a lot, but the business itself needs a strategy. And I also believe that you also need a risk management strategy as well. A lot of people are operating in business and they don't really understand what their risks are. You know, they're systemic, systematic and idiosyncratic risks. And if you can 
understand them. You're not going to have the answers for them, but if you can understand them, then it's uh, it makes if you can understand what potentially could come up and really again you might have heard me talk about this before I try to get to a position where I I ask myself what's the worst case scenario here what's the worst that can happen and am I can I absorb that uh, and, and if I can't am I still comfortable moving forward or or not really and again it's it's just it's just understanding it so that's the first thing the first core pillar your strategy and your risk uh, having an aligned strategy is extremely important. Uh, the second uh, pillar is, and it doesn't, you know, it, they change as you grow. Second pillar is a strong and core team as well. Uh, I call it, you know, team of A players, or you, you can call it lots of different things you want. Uh, you know, your prime, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You just need a team that, uh, that are effective, efficient, they uh, they bought buy into the vision more importantly uh, as you know they work well with you but they still debate with you you know studies have proven that those that uh, debate in a, in a in a company actually become more successful because you don't really want a, a culture of yes uh, yes men and yes people you want a culture of challenging you know it it needs to be needs to be challenging that's how you grow so core strategy risk management team. You also need to then make sure that you're delivering uh, and, and you're, you're tracking your key performance indicators. You're, you, you've got your systems in place, processes, and, and like I said, your KPIs. And you want, to you want to be able to measure what matters. There's a book on that. And you want to be able to track your business performance and, and look about, you know, is the business performing effectively? Are we online with our targets? Uh, and uh, can we improve? Uh, from from every facet of the of the of the company in terms of a development company that's how fast it takes you to secure deals and um, and what uh, how fast it takes deals to get through from uh, you know offer agreed to build and how long it takes you to build them and and mainly on the delivery side of things is how well you're actually building out and and you you know your commercial technical and construction management uh, and 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 your actual lead management processes and systems and all that sort of stuff that's really important uh, and then last but not least cash so understanding your cash position cash management cash requirement knowing when you're going to run out of money every scaling company uh, starts running out of money it just when you grow it it is what it, you start sucking cash so you need to be in a position where you can turn the tap on and off of how much growth that you need or want to achieve your goals versus how much that's going to cost you and uh, keeping an eye on your company profitability as well and the financial management of the company. If any of those four are out of place or not working, the entire company starts failing. You could imagine what it takes. If you just have one team member that is underperforming or a bit, you know, like a rotten apple, starts rotting the entire car. If they're getting away with things, mm -hmm. it, people lose motivation. So easy to do. If your delivery, if, you, if you've got all the money in place and a good team and a good strategy, but you're not actually delivering well, then your reputation is going to be poor and no one's going to want to work with you. No one's going to want to invest with you. And of course, if you don't have... And cash, the team generally, if they're any good, won't be happy with that either. No, no, definitely not. Look, a, 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 a good, strong team with A players, they want to be in an exciting, growing environment. They don't like to be stagnant. They don't like to, to be, you know, they want to be part of something moving forward and making a difference. And um, like, like, you know, if you don't have cash or ca good cash management, you're going to go out of business. And if you don't have a strategy to start with, then you're just, 
you could be rowing as hard as you like, but if you're rowing in the wrong direction, you're not going to be. You could be going round in circles. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so. No, so that, that's no, the now, uh, just as some context for for listeners, uh, and I encourage you to uh, to look up uh, one of the early episodes that Dorian was on, where we talk about his his backstory. Uh, he he trained as an accountant. Uh, he comes from a uh, a, a family of property investors uh, and and builders. Um, his uh, early teenage years, or, or at least his mid teenage years, uh, consisted of uh, having three or four businesses a year uh, and all, all sorts of schemes. And um, uh, the last three or four years, he's been uh, purely focused on on this development business within South Wales, focused on. Uh, social housing and land uh, land uh, uplift effectively, um, and uh, he's uh, he's doing really well. Um, but what what we'd like to get into now is the full development process. So, sure. do you want to uh, give give people a a quick outline of what the uh, full development process is, and, and then we can drill down into some of the the details yeah. and and how it applies in your business. Definitely. Uh, yeah, and, and great. Thank, thanks, Darwell. So as you said, yeah, definitely listen to the other podcast uh, episode. It was, it was great. Really enjoyed it. We sh- I shared some of my uh, stories as I was growing up and, and my business ventures and all of my sort of property experience to date. But um, the property development cycle that we operate to pretty much, it, 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 again, it starts with strategy. So uh, you, the development strategy itself so, uh, and then we look at market research because just because you have a strategy doesn't mean the market wants it either. So you need to understand that. So we look at strategy, market research, land sourcing techniques. Uh, so actually finding, <clears throat> finding the deals that match that uh, strategy and criteria. Then we look at the appraisal process, process of taking sites through, making sure that they're viable and they stack and they work. Then we look at the finance side of things. So actually being able to fund those deals uh, and, and knowing how much you need to actually fund them. Then we look at the land structuring and acquisition methods. So there's nine key uh, land structure methods that we, that we use. Then we go into the full planning process, uh, technical process, commercial process, construction process to deliver the project. Then we're at exit stage where we finally get paid, get our profits out. And then, but but it doesn't end there. We're at post-completion stage then as well. So that's the key cycle in a, in a, in a nutshell. They start overlapping. You know, it's not linear. There's uh, an element of this process is, is definitely not linear. Uh, as you start, uh, as you start moving forward towards the structuring side and entering into the planning, the planning, technical, commercial, and construction, they start overlapping each other. They, they don't become linear anymore. They become they become quite staggered, but live, running against each other. So, but uh, you know, the, the strategy and market research uh, and land sourcing can be quite linear because they follow one after each other, really. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's it in a nutshell. Uh, Will, should we should we go through it in more detail? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and maybe a, a quick illustration. Um, uh, you know the the, the thirty seconds uh, of, of uh, how each one apply in your business. Definitely. Okay. okay. An example. Um, so. Yeah. Sure. All right. So take development strategy for example. So the the first thing, um, and what I mean by development strategy is, if you could imagine, 
understand when when you when you want to become a land developer you know people don't realize how broad that actual term is land development and there's 13 key sort of principles to develop your you know, land development strategy really first one is the type of developments you're looking to focus on is that luxury homes is that social housing two different markets right there mm -hmm. is that you know are you focusing on commercial industrial are you focusing on there's so much you can do in development it's, it's and, and within each of those there's a plethora of, of options definitely look I, yeah i've got a uh when i you know there's like over 20 and it's not even an exhaustion list over 25 different uh, niches of development that people have built multi-million pound businesses in each one that's the thing there is and as again i don't mean this in a disrespectful way but i went to a networking event and i heard somebody stand up and they say they're, they're a developer they're looking for deals and somebody said what deal are you looking for and do you know what his response was will go on everything anything <laughs> anything anywhere <laughs> I, need, I, need, I want any deal anywhere any price i was just thinking to myself now you didn't say any anywhere any price we did say any deal uh, I'm, I'm looking for i'm looking for any deal now that is you know there's just no strategy there and and what will happen is you'll spread yourself so thin and narrow that you won't actually get results you need to you need to get focused on you know it doesn't have to be one but it could be it's you know coupled you know two max three i would say strategies and they hopefully re re react with each other like us, for example, we specialize in social housing, affordable housing, disabled homes and supported living, which is, which is the uh, two of them. So, but they relate to each other really well. You know, it's uh, they're the same providers operate in the three, you know, that the same deals we look at can be used for all three, but you know, it's, it's, so it's different. And um, yeah, so, so like I said, it starts with your type of development you're focusing on. And then again, you can drill it down even more. Am I focusing on new builds or conversions? Am I focusing on brownfields or greenfields? Am I, am I going to ignore listed buildings, conservation areas? How far from my area do I want to develop? 30 minutes, an hour worldwide. You know, the, the value of the schemes, uh, the size of the schemes, uh, the planning risk I want to take, the delivery method, am I building them out myself or main contracting them out? Uh, how much equity do I have? That will form part of your strategy initially. And the time frame, am I looking for short-term opportunities, medium-term, long-term, or really long-term development? you know it, it, it literally that's how you build your development strategy you want to get comfortable with it know it and your team need to understand your development strategy as well so that's def that's defining your development strategy the next bit is about market research and a market research is uh is a common uh aspect that most developers don't do because we're action orientated and nobody really likes doing research they just like motoring ahead and there's three key aspects to market research, which, and it comes after strategy because initially you, you, whatever strategy shouts out to you, I like the sound of luxury houses, for example. Mm -hmm. I can see myself building luxury houses, for example. That's what I want to do uh, because I like interior design. All that sort of stuff. You then need to understand from a market perspective of where the locations are, that it actually works and what the risks are. And there's three aspects to market research. It's customer research, competitor research and market research itself. So what I mean by market research is you're looking at the size of the market, you know, the trends of demand, the trends of supply, any missing opportunities that you think that you could generate a USP from, a unique selling point or proposition, uh, and any identified risks as well. And also 
you, you want to be getting some feedback from land and new build agents and estate agents about that strategy in that area to see what, see what they, they say. Your customer research is pretty much what it says on the tin. Who's your customer? Who's going to be buyer for us? It's registered social landlords. They have a specification. They have a specific demand in certain areas. We need to identify all of that and make sure the deals we're looking for work to it. Uh, and it'd be, it'd be the same. And of course, competitive research as well. You know, within, within the 21st century now, uh, the, the, the ideas and, and the businesses that we have more than likely have been done before or are being done right now as we speak. But it doesn't mean you can't do it better or slightly different, but it does mean that people are already operating in your space. So find out, see how they're performing financially. Can you determine the market share they have? Any reputation, uh, feedback, reviews, all that sort of stuff. And how can you think you can be better than them or different that's more attractive to the customer? Does that make sense, Will, so far? Yep, yep. spot on, Darren, spot on. Great. So with the strategy, market research, once you've done those two, um, what I like to term as fun tasks, we can then talk about land sourcing technique. And if you notice here, we're not going to find land, uh, land sites uh, development opportunities yet until we've until we've sorted out the strategy and market research so, so you're, you're clear on what, what what are you looking for yeah so you're, you're clear on what you're looking for so if you take castell group for example then you'll know again that we operate in the social affordable disabled um, and supported living housing space we're operating we're looking for development opportunities that are brownfield uh, particularly at the moment and we're looking for either new build or conversion but mainly new build uh, we don't really, we don't, we want to avoid listed buildings. Uh, we will operate in the conservation area, but it does, we, we would try to avoid it if we can, because it just adds time. Um, but we're, we're very much uh, demand led like that. We know the areas that the housing association need response to. Our size of developments are between, uh, for the sites we're looking for now, they're from 15 to 50 is, is the core, is the core size we're looking for right now per site. Um, and we can't drop down below two million pound gross development value for the site because of our overhead and operating cost level compared to the margin we make. Uh, so you can see again, I've not gone through all of it, but we're quite specific. You know, it gets drives the sort of sites we look for. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, come back to land sourcing. So you, you've got a, a, a specification of the type of, of project, why you're wanting that, who you're wanting it for, what they're looking for, and, uh, and, and you take that brief out and, and you start looking for, for this. And, and so the... Definitely. And like I said, in our market research, I, like, as I said, if you, if you listen to the, the previous podcast, I, did, I actually talk about the, the, my method of when I undertook market research at the beginning of the development process for me. And, and the company. And I looked at the, the, the depth of the, I looked at the market itself, you know, the demand, the need. So like I said, there's social housing demand is between 3,500 and 5,200 homes in Wales alone. They were currently delivering between 1,000 and 1,500 homes. Therefore the demand a shortfall is 2,000 plus homes a year. So therefore it was an opportunity for me. Go to the customer. I started speaking to registered social landlords, understanding where they had demand and need, how it worked, how I could provide a USP and looking at what my competitors did for them. And it turned, turned out that our USP in the short term was we were able to fund the entire project ourselves, uh, something called a turnkey development. Uh, so they had um, a, short, a limited risk. 
because they didn't have any capital and we could get our foot in the door. We proved that we were commercial and fast like a land-led private developer and they really like working with us. So now they're providing us with more opportunities. So do you see how it's all starting to, to play out now? It's uh, um, So now land sourcing. Two main ways to find land sourcing opportunities. Uh, the first way is online methods and the second way is offline methods. This is what I call them anyway. Um, uh, and the online method is, is pretty much, a, as, as we all know, right moves, Zoopla on the market, classified ads, auctions, uh, you know, places like that. I bought a site off Gumtree. We bought them off right move commercial. Uh, it's lots of different places to find them online. And then you also have offline opportunities as well. So using uh, mapping systems like Nimbus Maps, which is basically Google Maps with land registry overlaid. So you can see all the different titles and the OS maps overlaid. So you can spot undeveloped opportunities or small buildings on large plots, which you could do, um, which you could demolish and rebuild. Also off-site, uh, um, off-market opportunities from agents is one of our biggest uh, source of opportunities. Referrals from team, but also the planning portal as well. Planning portal, scraping that and looking for developments that have not got planning or have got planning, but not yet been built. Um, and sending them letters, basically. Trying to get direct to vendor uh, so you can start uh, opening up negotiations and seeing exactly what they want. So that's the land sourcing methods. Uh, and then with, with that, you want to develop a lead management system as well. And, and it's all about following up with, uh, with land sourcing. Once you understand land sourcing uh, and, and what methods work well for you and leads start coming in, it's all about the appraisal process then. And it's uh, the appraisal process is trying to identify, trying to take that site, get into the know as fast as you can, just uh, moving on and, and taking that pipeline. Uh, and it's like a funnel. You obviously, it's a numbers game. You need leads coming in. But if you can, you don't just want any leads coming in. You want leads that match your, your strategy as best as possible. So when you're sourcing, that's why you, you need to source to deals that you think will match your criteria. They come through the funnel. You have those conversations. Then you, uh, the very first thing you do when a deal comes in is you do basic site information and you check against criteria. That's the first thing you do. You don't even waste time doing a full appraise, development appraisal. You need to make sure that it potentially could work for your strategy first. Um, keep yourself focused. Mm -hmm. Then if it does, we follow a four-step process that doesn't really cost us much money. The first one is a key constraints check. Then we go into initial planning review, initial high-level numbers appraisal, and a demand check. We do those four things, which anyone can do, cost less than, you know, £100 would cost less to do all of that, really. Uh, um, and, and you will heavily mitigate uh, the, the development process, the development itself, and get a better chance of moving it on to the next stage. So, you know, obviously, we uh, you know, don't have time to go through that in, into minute detail. But the key constraints check is important because it obviously goes through things like, is it in the flood zone? What's the topography of the site? Uh, does the highway work? Is there any unregistered land or any ransom land? We come across that all the time. You know, any, anything that you think would uh, render the site unviable. And uh, yeah, that, that, there's, a whole, there's a checklist we have really that we work through. Um, and the numbers are really important as well, because as, as you know, the biggest thing with the development appraisal it's getting the numbers wrong uh, and that 
like I said, you're the easiest person. The, the easiest person to sell to is yourself. So I am literally guilty of one of my first deals, manipulating the appraisal to make it work because I needed a site over the line. It will come back and bite you and it will be 18 months of hell. So don't do it. <laughs> Try to get proficient of your development appraisal. And uh, again, it, it's and, and remember, uh, remember that, that principle that it's always going to cost more, be worth less and take longer. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's that's where a sensitivity and sensitivity analysis comes in. When you're doing an appraisal, you want to make sure you're doing a sensitivity analysis to see what happens if it takes longer, what happens if build costs go up, and what happens if sales come down. If your development can pass those three stress tests, or you can work out what your break-even point is going to be, and then and then basically look at you know, the, the likelihood of that happening um, and get comfortable with it. Then, uh, then you're in a strong position that most developers never do. So, mm -hmm. so definitely do sensitive analysis. So recap: we've got strategy, market research, land sourcing, appraisal. The one thing, and again, this bit doesn't have to be as linear, but we look at finance at this point. Finance is a bloodstream of the of the development process. You know, without without money, you don't have a development business. You have probably a land sourcing business. Which you know is a is a good business in its own right if you do it well. But if you want to be a developer, you need to. You're get... operating without oxygen if you don't have the the, the money. Yeah, definitely. You, you need money. Yeah, and and if you have money, you can hold you your have... breath, but not not for that long. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But and if you have an abundance of money and you have no deals, well, then come and speak to me. So <laughs> I'm only joking. But uh, yeah. Look, Raising finance is, is really important. And obviously finance is broken down into debt and equity. So- And that, that, that's a, a really interesting point because right now there's uh, enormous funds sitting in, in all, all sorts of levels uh, down from individual investors up to global multi-billion pound uh, funds and they yes. can't deploy them that they can't find the deals, they can't find the opportunities, uh, they haven't connected with the right people. And uh, people who don't have the money, that, that they struggle to understand this. Uh, yeah. And it's getting that balance. So, uh, but back to the development process though. So, so, yeah. um, so finance, understanding how to raise debt finance and equity finance is fundamental to your success as a property developer. Um, and, and that's where my previous experience of having a finance brokerage came into massive play. Then we're looking at uh, the, the structuring of the land opportunity, the land structuring and acquisition. And, and in, a, in a nutshell, people want to know that uh, they're going to be able to be paid back and you've got an ability to service the, uh, yeah. that the uh, all, all components of the loan uh, and, and that they trust you, basically. But like, uh, we can get a lot more complicated, but that's... There's so much that I could literally do a whole two-hour slot on finance alone so it's a but once you get understanding the finance is important land structuring is is, is imperative uh, and understanding the different ways you can structure a deal uh, it also becomes a usp as yourself there's nine different ways we structure deals or can and have structured deals uh, i'll just I'll, I'll just list them quickly the first way and the most common way is unconditional uh, unconditional acquisition is just basically where you buy the site just as it is sold as seen so to speak 
Then you have conditional, where you will buy it subject to, mainly subject to planning or subject to um, ground investigation or subject evaluation, all those things. Uh, then we have option agreements. Option agreements are fantastic. That gives you as the developer the option, but not the obligation to, uh, to acquire the site at an agreed price or agreed calculation uh, for an agreed time frame, And it locks everybody else out. So, so they're, they're fantastic. They can also be assignable and you can sell them on and make a premium. If, um, so so there, there's a couple of different exits you can use with options. We have exchange and delayed contract. Uh, date, sorry, exchange and delayed completion, which is uh, uh, mainly you. I, I've used them before where we've exchanged on a deal. So they have certainty of a buyer uh, and we've delayed completion for about six months whilst we've got the uh, planning conditions satisfied and the in contract in place with the RSL and stuff like that. So it's good for them because they have certainty of sale uh, and, and they don't have to worry about it and also a deposit. And it's good for us because we don't have to outlay the full price or raise the full finance until it's in place. You have developers agreement, which is similar to a joint venture agreement, but a joint venture is a business partnership whereby typically you'll end up opening another company together, sharing the full risks and reward. Development agreement is typically where you don't open a company, but you've got a contractual obligation and you have typically a smaller share of the profits. Uh, but the vendor or uh, they they typically raise the full finance works well with cash rich vendors who are happy to fund the deals or experienced vendors who are happy to raise the finance. Um, we have promotion agreements where it's all about taking land that's outside the settlement boundary, uh, promoting it through getting it. So you're taking land potentially that's worth 10,000 an acre trying to help them promote it so it's now worth half a million an acre if it can be developed. And basically, if you can do that, you're being a promotion agreement for a period of X amount of years, locks everyone else out. You will agree to fund a portion or all of the promotion costs. And in return, you will get about 30%, it's all at the negotiation, but say 30% of the land value and the vendor gets 70% land value. Great deal for them, fantastic for you can generally make six and seven figures on those deals, but it takes years. Um, last two, one is vendor finance, whereby let's just say you want to buy the, you want to buy the land for a million pounds, but you don't have a million pound. Um, the vendor it, it doesn't need all of the money straight away. So what they agree to do is you will pay 650,000 or 65% day one. You'll get that from a development finance lender and hundred percent of the bill costs from that lender. The, the, the vendor will simultaneously lend you 35% as a second charge. So you've now got 100% of the deal financed. We are literally doing a deal now on a 2.6 million pound deal, just like this. Um, and and we're, not fund, we're not putting any deposit in. We are funding obviously some legal costs and planning costs. So they will, but, and lastly, we, have, we use overages as well. We take, we take sites, um, if we can buy them really cheap and the vendor can't wait for a promotion, Let's just say we buy a site for 50,000 or we buy it for that agricultural value uh, or 10,000 an acre, but we give them a much lower percentage overage if we get planning permission. So 20% of the, the, the increased value of market value once, once the planning comes through. You make a lot more money, but you're taking more risk. They get money day one and they've also got potential upside. Does that make sense, Will? Yep, absolutely. Well summarized. Thanks. So, so in a nutshell, if you can get good at those, it opens up a whole world for you. And then, and then you're into the technical phases of, of, of the property development cycle now. So planning phase, planning, again, a world of its own, you know, could talk for ages about it by itself, but that's literally 
that's all about getting that site and getting a permission on it to build that matches your development strategy for you to either sell on or build out yourself. Technical, commercial, and construction start overlapping, but the technical phase is all about the pre-construction. It's taking that site with planning and it's discharging those conditions. It's getting the full detailed drawings and construction drawings for that development site. It's working out all the utilities, all the warranties and insurances you need, all, the, all, the, all of the contractual stuff with highways uh, and, and, and the water authorities that you're going to need to get in place. Uh, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's, it's fundamental for the delivery side of things. And the better technical can do, can do their job, then the more accurate you can get your job costed by commercial and also built with less variations through construction. So commercial phase kicks in. Technical you know, deals with all the construction drawings, establishes the tender packs and specifications. Commercial goes out and then and tenders it basically to subcontractors or main contractors, depending on your delivery method. Also, if, they, if, you, if you're handling the materials, they'll deal with a commercial side pretty much deals with uh, five key things. Uh, one is, the first is estimation, which, which obviously comes at the appraisal stage. The second is procurement, which, which comes now. The third is financial project management. And um, sorry, after, after procurement and before project management is negotiation. And that could be negotiation with vendors, um, with, uh, with registered social landlords as well. Anything with contracts, any negotiation financially, they can be involved in. Then it's financial project management of the entire development as it's being delivered and dealing then with the unfortunate variations and troubleshooting and disputes. So those are the kind of five hats commercial wear. Uh, which is which are fundamental. Then we've got construction, which is the actual. You're, this is the stage where you're finally putting the shovel in the ground. So when you you go past a site and now you see it being built, and you, about, you can see some 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 people on there and they're actually doing stuff. Exactly. Up up until now, that land is yeah. still a piece of land. You know, up until now. So we've done all of that and it's still a piece of land. Now you can finally. Uh, start building basically so you've got if, as long as you've got a great um you've got the, the correct permissions in place you've got your full technical drawings you, you've got it procured and you've got all your materials lined up then it's about construction which is effectively about delivering on time to the budget as best as you can safely and to a good quality those are the kind of four key things they need to be considerate of uh, and that's what they will manage site safety health and safety quality um, the better construction can do the job and not cut corners, the less hassle you're going to have in your defect stage, which I'll talk about now. Then you finally got your exit stage. That's when you get paid. You get your profits. And uh, so, so you've got to compile a whole list to satisfy your structural warranty provider, building control provider, uh, and, and, and hand over documents. Uh, and you have all your certificates in place. Good job. You've built it correctly. Here's the sale. You can market it now for sale, or you might have already marketed it if it's off plan, uh, or you might have already sold it. But now you hand over, you complete, you get paid, you pay your investors off, you pay the bank off, uh, and, and hopefully the residual you get to keep. The last stage, though, is post-completion. We work with registered social landlords, and because of that, we're tied into something called a defect liability period, where we have 12 months at the end of completion on top, where they hold back a retention, and any defects that come up in that period, we are liable to uh, fix in a nutshell. So you need to make sure you hold some money back 
and, and or if your commercial team have done the job correctly, then your subcontractors or main contractor will also be tied into that. And if you get a defect, you bounce it onto them and they've got to come back. Otherwise, you'll never use them again. So that's the development cycle. You do it all over again. Oh, fantastic. Dorian, uh, well summarised. Uh, if someone wants to uh, find out a bit more, your uh, what, what's your uh, YouTube um, uh, ID or address? What, what, what's the, the, the name of your YouTube channel? So our YouTube channel is, um, so on social media, I've got at Dorian Payne Property. So if you just go, if you if, if you find me on there, you'll, you'll see my links. And, and that, that's... Uh, Pain, P-A-Y-N-E, so pain with a Y. Yeah, P-A-Y-N-E. And on YouTube, uh, it's just Castaf space group. So that's C-A-S-T-E-L-L space group. If you just type that into YouTube or onto Google, it should come up. And, and I encourage you to uh, go, go and check it out. Uh, Dorian um, not only is, is doing some great work, but he's... Uh, uh, he's putting it a bit out on social media. Uh, it doesn't cost anything to check it out. He's got a um, uh, he's got a, a range of interesting topics, and, and I encourage you to, as I said, check it out. But uh, Dorian Payne, um, I, once again, I'm Will Mallard. Uh, this is my Property World podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much. Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.